0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one And I am joined by frequent guest of the show, the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Daryl Slater. So, Daryl, I hear there's a schedule that was released.
1: That is so. Yeah, the Jets schedule is out. You already knew the opponents home and away, but now we know the order of the game. So, certainly some takeaways to be had from that.
0: Might as well go through it then, Daryl. They have three national games, right?
1: Yeah, they play the the Browns at home Monday Night Football Week 2. They play the Patriots home Monday Night Football Week 7. And then on, they uh, we play at the Ravens on Thursday night in uh, Week 15. So those are their three primetime games for now. Of course, games could always get flexed in terms of Sunday Night Football. But, uh, but that's where the Jets are at right now in terms of their primetime games.
0: I think if the Steelers and Jets are both in good position toward the end of the season because they're playing Week 16, that would be a prime candidate for flexing because you'd have the whole Le'Veon Bell storyline.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, so if you if you uh, basically any game from weeks Week five through 17 can be flexed, um, and um, the Jet every the Jets Week five game at Philly is not subject to the flex possibility, but everything else. Every other game for the rest of the way, from Week 6 to 17, except the ones that are already in primetime, are uh, are subject to being uh, to being flexed. So it depends on how the Jets are looking, and it depends on how you know the team that they're playing is looking.
0: The weird thing about this schedule that stuck out to me more than anything else is how early the bye comes. A lot of people were complaining about that. Yeah, I
1: mean, look, the Jets had, a, what, a Week 11 bye last year? So what do you want? I mean, it's... Week 9 is probably ideal, but uh, people probably would have complained if it was Week 11 again. Week 11 is pretty late. Week 4 is really early. I think that's probably the first week you can get a bye. Um, but that's just how it works. I mean, that's how the schedule works. There's certainly other teams had worse schedule breaks, I think, than the Jets in terms of some of these other teams that have have to play a lot of consecutive road games and uh, and that sort of thing, have to go to London, tacked on to, like, road games, and they don't play a home game for a while. I think other teams probably have more complaints That are bigger deals than, than, you know, the week four buy for the Jets because they're certainly not, you know, they're not the only team that has the buy in week four.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
0: People are coming out with predictions based on the schedule coming out. But like you said, Daryl, everybody's known for a while who the opponents were going to be. So if you had any guesswork, you could have done it already. I'll stick to what I said before, which is that I'm not going to give a specific win-loss prediction. But I will say, A, there's no reason why the Jets shouldn't win more games than they did last year. Not exactly a high bar to climb. And B... If everybody stays healthy, this is a team that should win at least seven games. And as Adam Gase said, be in contention for the playoffs late in the season, right?
1: Yeah, I think they're probably going to be a team that should win at least seven games, or you'd think. I think some people would look at seven wins and view it as a disappointment. I think anything fewer than seven wins would be a significant disappointment. And, you know, Mike McKagan should probably be fired if if that's the case. Uh, So... I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, if they, if they win four or five games again, he should be gone. If they win six, it's debatable. You know, I think if they win seven, he's probably safe. I think they'll probably be an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 team. I think I picked him to go 8-8 eight and eight and some kind of mindless predictions that we did last night immediately after the schedule came out. I mean, 10 wins, I, I suppose it's possible. Um, it would be quite an achievement. But, you know, you've got to figure most years you get into the playoffs with 10 wins. Of course, the Jets didn't in 2015. Uh, When they won 10 games, but nine wins generally doesn't get you in. I think you'd probably have to do better than that. But then again, the Eagles got in with nine wins last year. So um, you can look at it a couple different ways in terms of that. But um, I think they're probably a seven-win to nine-win team. So I'd split the difference and put them at eight for those predictions that we put up last night. And of course... There's no consequences at all if I'm wrong, so it doesn't really matter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you never know how many wins it's gonna take to get in because there's been seasons where even seven and nine or eight and eight would get you in. And then of course there's that famous season in two thousand eight when the Patriots ended up going eleven and five when Brady was injured and they didn't get into the playoffs. So it just kinda depends on the year, but the Jets should certainly be at least in the discussion late into the season, if everything goes along according to plan and if nobody gets it's hurt and we got to see the first glimpse of what this team with adam gase might look like at least on a cursory level because they had the very first team activities cj mosley had some things to say a couple of others what was the initial impression from what you could tell daryl
1: well so the jets started their off-season workout program on the 8th last monday um they could have started on the first uh, because they have a new coach, but they opted to start it on the 8th for just scheduling reasons. And so, they're basically now, as we're talking through two weeks of, basically, it's just working out, like, lifting and stuff like that, the like conditioning stuff. They can't really do anything football-wise right now. Um, they can't do any football stuff until the 23rd, so next week, next Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they have this three-day voluntary mini-camp. Um, and you can do that when you have a new coach. Um, and it's all voluntary the whole off season program, obviously, until the mandatory mini camp in June. But uh, but yeah, it looks like pretty much everyone is there in terms of participation. And yeah, so we haven't seen any of any of it to be clear. Like I mean, we're, the first thing we're going to get to see at all is the the voluntary mini camp stuff uh, next Tuesday. So uh, basically, players have just been working out and lifting weights and stuff. But uh, Adam Gates got a chance to address the team when when they got together on the eighth last Monday and. We had a conference call yesterday with some of the players, um, and basically we asked CJ Mosley what the what the message was from Adam Gase on day one, and um, and this is really the only interesting thing that came out of those calls, but it was pretty interesting, I guess. And uh, he said that Adam Gase basically said, you know, the the Jets' mission is is to topple the Patriots in the AFC East. That's what that's their goal. That's why they're that's why they're doing, you know they're doing this, I guess, I don't know. I mean, but, I mean, they're trying to win the division. That's the objective. Um, and so, you know, different Jets coaches have kind of handled it differently with the Patriots. And um, Adam Gase is not backing away from it. And it's obvious. Any player knows that they're the team to beat. And they're, that's going to be the objective, whether the coach states it or not. Um, you know, and him stating it, I don't think is going to make much of a difference necessarily and whether they beat the Patriots or don't, whether they win the division or don't, whether they make the playoffs or don't, it's going to come down to executing and winning games and, you know, having good players and playing well and having good schemes and stuff like that. You know what, it, what he says on day one of the off program is not, it's not going to be mean really anything, but it kind of sets the tone in the, for, for these players, um, in terms of keeping that fresh on their mind for whatever that's worth. Um, and uh, at least fresher than it, it maybe normally would be. They know the Patriots are the team to beat. These guys aren't dumb. And, um, so uh, I think Adam Gase plainly stating it and putting it out there. It's just, you know, it's stating the obvious. So, but I think there's no point in, in hiding from it. The Jets might as well. And I don't think, I don't think anyone's saying that he said that, you know, they're going to guarantee they're going to win the division or anything like that. But, you know, put the objective out there, and that's the goal. That's your first goal, to get past that team in your division that has been an obstacle for so long and then and then, you know, you see what you can do from there, but that's gotta be the first step.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the baseball betting podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty game sprint
2: We all remember
0: Rex Ryan's bold proclamation that he didn't come to New York to kiss Bill Belichick's rings. Unfortunately for Rex Ryan There were several more rings in Bill Belichick's future And a couple of pink slips in his I'm sure Adam Gase would like to avoid that So even though like you said He made the goal very easy To understand He also didn't go over the top the way Rex did Because I'm sure he doesn't want to be in a position Where he may have to eat his words The way that a lot of Le'Veon Bell's critics Are eating their words now There was talk that he had gotten really fat And out of shape He's been posting pictures and videos on Instagram showing that he's actually in really, really good shape as he continues to work hard to get ready for the season. So he's been talking a lot on social media. And on top of it, I guess he ruffled the feathers of Malik Jackson, the defensive lineman, because he posted a video of him running and kind of flattening Jackson. So Jackson looking for a little bit of revenge there. Le'Veon Bell making for some interesting storylines when there doesn't seem to be a lot to talk about outside of the draft.
1: Yeah, he looks like he's in shape. I think I think he feels like he is in shape. We'll see what happens when actual football activities occur. But um, yeah, he looks he looks to be fine um, again. But you know that's not the biggest test. You know, running around in shorts and t shirt and all that stuff. So yeah, the Malik Jackson thing was one of the dumbest things ever. Like I don't understand some of these guys. Like what? It's just social media because it's the dumbest thing ever sometimes. <laughs> but uh, so basically, Le'Veon Bell posted like. Uh, a pretty harmless video. He's just like I'm excited about getting back to playing. It was a highlight. It was a highlight of him running in the AFC champ or the AFC divisional game against the uh, the Steelers a couple years ago, and it was the last. Yeah, it was the last game he played in. Into you know before you know signing with the Jets, obviously. So he juked Malik Jackson to play. He didn't even mention Malik Jackson in the um, in the little Instagram thing or anything like that. But Malik Jackson got so mad. That you know he didn't that Bell didn't show like other parts of the game like like he got mad that the guy didn't put up like a two hour highlight video of the game that showed the entirety of the game as if he's like (laughs) supposed to have like journalistic integrity of showing the complete picture of this like I mean it's just utterly baffling it's the dumbest thing ever and like I don't really I mean look I'll. If Malik, if Le'Veon Bell put something dumb on social media, I mean, I would say that it's stupid. And dumb, but what, you know, he didn't put. It was nothing wrong with what he put up there. And Jackson just got went went off and called him lame and got upset. And then Bell seemed to be like surprised by it. He was like, "Look, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, trying to offend you or anything like that." So they they seemingly patched it up, and then uh, Lady Bell kind of tweeted that. Malik Jackson can have his, like, quote, tough guy act or tough guy routine or something like that. So he did take a little bit of a dig at him. But, like, yeah, it just seems so out of the blue to get upset about something that was, like, completely harmless uh, when, when Le'Veon Bell didn't even mention Malik Jackson. But that's just very weird, whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's social media for it. yeah, I guess. But, um, but it'll be interesting to see Jets-Eagles in week, uh, week five? week 5 right after the bye week the jets get the bye week in week 4 they go down and play the eagles so that's a that's a plus to the bye week there i mean they get some rest before they have to go down and play a really good team so That'll be a fun matchup to watch. Malik Jackson lady on belt.
3: I can't. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020- 2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, spotify stitcher tune in or wherever you get your podcasts
0: this is the overtime podcast network i will never understand why somebody who's a professional football player or somebody of any real importance would get that upset over something like that but like you said daryl i guess that's just the social media world we live in and in that social media world there was a photograph going around i guess it was posted on instagram Of Quinnen Williams, the outstanding defensive lineman from Alabama, posing for a picture with Jamal Adams, the all-pro safety for the New York Jets. They were at Florham Park because Quinnen Williams had come in for a visit with the team. So had Ed Oliver a couple of days later, and they finish off the visits. What are we hearing about this? How did the visits go for these guys?
1: Uh, They're looking at Quinnen Williams, obviously, the number three pick. And Ed Oliver would be interesting, to say the least, because uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, who does pretty good job with his stuff and he knows his stuff projected uh he projected Ed Oliver to the Jets at three and had them passing on Quinn and Williams and Josh Allen which would be which would be kind of surprising considering a lot of the mock draft projections have had the Jets picking Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams and really just those two guys have been the projection there for so long so it would be quite a thing to see Ed Oliver go there at number three I think most people think that he would maybe be an option for the Jets if they were to trade down to stay like the number six spot or something like that in a deal with the Giants but um we well, I'm um, actually Daniel Jeremiah is going to do a conference call a little bit later today here after we talk. I talked to you and hoping to get a chance to ask him, like you know, what does he see there in terms of the Ed Oliver fit? He mentioned you know Aaron Donald uh, with Greg Williams and the Rams and how that worked well for them. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, is Aaron Don is is Ed Oliver Aaron Donald? I mean, you got to remember Aaron Donald wasn't the top three pick, so you know. A lot of teams, uh, or at least some teams, underestimated him. So you never know with the draft. Um, but I think most people look at this and they think that Quinn and Williams is a better prospect in terms of an interior defensive lineman than Ed Oliver. But maybe Daniel Jeremiah feels differently and we'll get a chance to talk to him about it here in a little bit. But you know, I guess that's the fun about the draft, you know, leading up to a lot of speculation and uh, a lot of guesswork. But, you know, on the part of some of these guys who know their stuff, it's really not. So, um that would be a fascinating thing if they if they got at Ed Oliver at three uh, he's an interesting prospect, but I don't think you know he had the type of year last year that most people expected because he was projected he was projected to be the guy if you remember last year to, who would go number one or something like that. but uh his stock fell maybe a little bit, but uh, I think he's still well regarded prospect, but it's it would, it would seem that Quinn Williams has more of that kind of hype. And more of that, not even hype might not even be the right word, but more of those kind of accolades in terms of being considered a better interior defensive lineman.
0: Worth remembering that last year at this time, everybody was mocking either Josh Allen, Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield to the Jets at number three. And they wound up with Sam Darnold. So anything's possible. We really don't know what the Jets are thinking. We don't know who could fall. We don't know who they might have higher on their board than people anticipate. We're going to find out soon enough because... Regardless of who they pick that person will fill a big need the same way that somebody like Frank Clark would and I bring up Frank Clark because Russell Wilson just signed the richest deal in the history of professional football with the Seahawks which means that they may not have the cap space to pay Frank Clark their star pass rusher who had 13 sacks last season. He's going to be available more than likely via trade. This is an interesting one for the Jets and Mike McCagan because Mike McCagan seems to like to steer clear of guys that have had issues with domestic violence. But Clark has been relatively clean over the last five years, so maybe there's some pause because, if you remember, he brought in Brandon Marshall, who had had his issues, and then years later was seeking treatment and getting therapy and all that. So maybe he's willing to give the guy a second chance. I don't know. But I can say that he would certainly give the Jets a boost in the pass rush. Do you think that the Jets might get in on the Frank Clark derby here? I would
1: think that they're more likely to address pass rusher in the draft um Mm -hmm. at number three so i don't think i just don't see it i mean maybe maybe if they if they know that they have a good opportunity to trade down um out of three and they could trade for frank clark and then trade down a player a non-pass rusher later on and all that stuff but um no i don't i don't i don't think they're in a position right now to be giving up assets that's the thing you know they're they want to uh you know they're looking to trade down they're looking to get picks so maybe it would be a wash and they would trade something for him and then trade down and get something back in terms of picks but i i don't see it because then you know you're going to have to allocate a lot of money to sign the guy long term on top of trading for him so um that's the thing you have to remember you're not just trading for him because he you know he's on a franchise that year you want to have him obviously for longer than 2019 if you're trading for him um Maybe you get a pass rusher at number three who is cheaper, a whole lot cheaper. Um, and so I think that's maybe how they're going to look at it in terms of, you know, they don't have a lot of assets to give up in terms of trade. Um, and, uh, you know, they have they would have the cap space to, to pay him, I would think. Um, they're going to have to start thinking about some of these other guys they're going to have to pay down the road, most notably Robbie Anderson next offseason, potentially, if they want to keep him. But, I, you know, I, I don't see it necessarily. Who knows, though? You never know.
0: Along those lines, even if they don't go after Clark, maybe they decide that his past is something they don't want to deal with. Jadavian Clowney is another one that could be available. I know you mentioned not wanting to give up assets, but let's remember, Mike McCagnin was the director of college scouting when Clowney was drafted in Houston. He's got connections to the front office. They're saying that Clowney and the Texans are very far apart on a contract. He could be available for the right price. Maybe that's something the Jets would be more likely to look into.
1: I think the thing you got to remember with all these franchise tag guys is it's it's mid-April and they have all the way until the middle of July to get these deals done. And if history is any indication, the deals almost always get done, um, and they get done late. You know, if you think of any of these franchise tag guys, whether it's Muhammad Wilkerson or um, you know some of these other guys that have been franchise tagged over the past several years, the deals always wind up getting done at the last minute, and that's that's just the reality of it, it did, wasn't there a des bryant situation like this a couple of years ago um so i think it's a it's a bit premature um if you know like i, I don't know why a team would necessarily pull a deal off like that so early um and, and when there's a possibility that you can work with a guy and uh unless you really feel like he, there's no chance that it's going to come together um why not just you know work it through and see what you can do through june and july so i think i think i think that would be a likelier route for a lot of these franchise tag guys if history is any indication
3: this is the overtime
2: podcast network
0: (laughs) worst case scenario daryl Even though Jadavian Clowney can't go to the AAF if he can't work things out with Houston, and he says screw it to the NFL, he could possibly go to the XFL. And we just learned that one of their new coaches is going to be Kevin Gilbride, former coach for the Giants. So this is kind of interesting. The AAF is gone. The XFL now is going to live beginning in 2020. I suspect they're going to lose a lot of money. There will be a lot of marketing going into this and a lot of gimmicks and a lot of names like Kevin Gilbride and obviously Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's father is going to be the head of the league. But at the end of the day, It's the same problem that the AAF had, which is that they're not going to be able to attract top-notch talent. That's what draws eyeballs to screens. And so as I watch this press conference and the questions being asked to Oliver Luck and I see all the media hoopla with Kevin Gilbride or at least the attempted media hoopla that the XFL is trying to generate with Kevin Gilbride, I can't stop thinking about how the AAF failed and thinking to myself that old saying about those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And in Vince McMahon's case, he already should have learned from his own history because he tried this once and it didn't work out.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see any way this works. Um, but it'll be fun to watch uh, in terms of uh, whether it's a train wreck or whatever. It'll be intriguing to watch, I should say, uh, to see how it works out any differently or better than last time. But I don't think it works for the long term. I guess Kel- Kevin Gilbride is a splashy hire. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, he's a recognizable name in, in New York, that's for sure um among giant fans so uh yeah the team will be playing at metlife stadium and uh i'd be curious to see how much tickets are and uh if you know people who look at these nfl games and say like the tickets are so expensive because they are they're crazy expensive maybe take your family to a game like that and it'll, it's a little bit more affordable presumably um so i think that maybe would be the rationale for That league launching in, you know, a year from now in terms of people buying into it. But uh, like I said, like you said, I don't see any way it goes uh, long term. Maybe they get a couple seasons out of it. Who knows?
0: I'd say at this point, the only way that that league ends up going more than a season or two at the absolute most. And I think that would be being generous is if Oliver Luck is able to talk his son, Andrew, into joining (laughs) the league.
1: (laughs) That would be something. That would be something.
0: That would be the kind of move that I think could actually do something for a rival league. But I don't see that happening. I certainly don't think that the XFL would have the money to pay Andrew Luck unless he just wanted to do it as a favor to his dad or something. I suppose if Oliver owned a significant piece of the league, maybe you could figure out a way to do something like that. But short of that, I have a feeling this is going to be a huge failure. Daryl, last bit of business before we go. This is kind of a fun item, and I thought it was hilarious, so I figured we would touch on it. Rob Gronkowski has retired from the NFL, but he certainly hasn't stopped leaving his mark around the league, as we saw. He dented up the Lombardi Trophy. Something good, huh? It's crazy.
1: Uh, I actually just watched the video of it before we got on here, and um, the Patriots put it out on their Twitter account last night amid all the schedule stuff that was going on. So it kind of got lost in the shuffle. But, um, yeah, so they went to the Red Sox game. And if you watch the video, it kind of shows what happened and the there was a bunch of Patriots players at the game and they were like participating in pregame promo stuff. And it was, uh, they were like doing fastest pitch type stuff. And then at one point I, I was watching on mute, but you could tell what's going on. Um, Gronkowski gets down there with the Lombardi trophy and like, was kind of like pretending to use it as a bat while one of the other players is throwing a ball, like an actual regular baseball. And so he squares up and like, he bunts with the thing and the ball bounces off the football part of the trophy. And, and it left a little, not a little, but it, side of a baseball size, like, round dent in the <laughs> in the trophy, <laughs> which is crazy. And the Patriots, you know, they displayed it right next to all the other ones with the dent still in it. They apparently don't intend to get it fixed, and uh, it's a little bit of a character mark on there. And, um, of course, it's a different, you know, you get a different Lombardi trophy every year. So the Patriots have six of them, and this is this one. Um, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess the Patriots weren't mad about it because they're the ones who, who put the video together on their website, and they were interviewing – all the players who were there, Daron Harmon, all these other guys who were at who were with Rob Gronkowski and interviewing them about interviewing them about what happened with with that moment where he bunted with the uh, with the trophy. Which, you know, look, I guess if you if you're as beloved as he is and you're as successful as he was for them for so long, uh, you can kind of do whatever you want. But uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, it's very fitting, though. Obviously, a guy who kind of marched to the beat of his own drum and that's uh, kind of a fun, fitting way for him to go out.
0: I guess the only thing you could really say about Rob Gronkowski is – you know the reason he gets away with this kind of stuff is because he's won so much with the Patriots. Oh, yeah. And that's really what it's all about because people say, oh, other players, they get treated differently and Grant gets treated like this lovable guy. It's because of the fact that he's won so much so people are willing to forgive this because I have a feeling that if a mid-level player on a team that wasn't winning much was doing something like this, there would be a huge uproar.
1: Yeah, I mean... Look, if if the Jets like, and the the Patriots won six Super Bowls, so they're mm-hmm. at the point where the trophy is cherished, but they can also find different ways to kind of have fun with it. You mm-hmm. know, they don't they don't need to treat this thing every year like it's a sacred uh, thing. You know, it's become not routine for them, but it's become you know a part of their off season routine where they get to kind of. Hang out with a trophy. I don't know if the NFL does that, like the Stanley Cup, where you get to have a day with the trophy or whatever, but like, obviously, they got to take it to the Red Sox game. So these guys get to have a little fun with with the trophy and, uh, um, whatever. I mean, it's just like how is the thing, the thing's not made of like like solid gold. It's not worth them $2 million or anything like that, is it? I mean, it's like, it's made of some, well, it's probably silver or something like that, right? Uh, so I'm sure it's a va- it's a valuable piece of metal, but ultimately it's, it's really just a symbol of what they accomplished. And uh, I think you know these guys will have good memories for a long, long time of what they accomplished this past season. And now the Denton Trophy will be kind of be part of the kind of be part of those memories forever. So that'll that'll be one way that they're going to remember uh, Rob Gronkowski by, along with like you said, all the you know incredible moments he had throughout his career.
0: Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. He's a character, and he will be remembered as a positive character because of the fact that He's won so much but we both know That he wouldn't be as lovable to the Patriot fans if say the Patriots oh, yeah. Were a losing organization <laughs> I think they would not think too Kindly of actions like this but like you said Because they've won so many of these This just becomes a fun story that they post On the Patriots website that they know Patriot fans will get a kick out of Daryl Slater the great beat reporter From NJ.com and New Jersey Advance Media Thank you so much for coming on And talking through all the latest news with me for anyone that doesn't know what you and your partner Matt Stipplekowski have cooking up at nj.com right now and what you've got coming down the pike, why don't you go ahead and let him know? Yes,
1: yeah, so we got all the schedule recap stuff and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but there's just so much to the Jets with the schedule that, you know, we didn't have a chance to talk about all of it. So anything you want to know schedule-wise from our picks is up there. We rank the games from the from the easiest to the toughest all 16 of the Jets games. Also look at the toughest player matchups. I picked I think I picked five the five toughest player matchups for the Jets this year, um, along with uh, the most intriguing storylines. And, you know, the storylines are, you know, Le'Veon Bell versus Steelers, but also kind of how the schedule breaks in terms of Jets get four, their first six at home, but or really five of those first six games are pretty darn tough. You know, after the first week against the Bills, they have five straight tough games. So uh, in some ways the early schedule breaks well for them, in some ways it doesn't. Uh, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff breaking down the schedule up there, and then we'll have, more stuff this weekend, previewing the draft. Um, uh, it starts next Thursday. Hard to believe it's here already. Maybe for some people, hard to believe it took so long. To, <laughs> took so long to get here, but uh, I guess that's this has not. This has been a different sort of draft season without the Jets being in the mix for a quarterback. In that there hasn't been as much kind of hand wringing over the number three pick. I mean, there's been some, but it just feels like it's been a little bit quieter. So the draft finally gets here next Thursday. We'll see what the Jets do at number three and we'll have some position previews throughout the weekend. So I appreciate everybody reading. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to talking to you after the draft when all the dust settles. I'm sure there's going to be tons of coverage of it up at NJ.com with you and Matt Stipulkowski. So make sure you go over there and read their work. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.